This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Church from Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit our website at faithchurchlubbock.com. Watch my live stream. We're, we're delighted you're here with us. If you need a Bible, get your hand up real high. We'll get the Word of God in your hand. Once you get the Word of God in your hand, go with me to the book of Numbers chapter 11. Numbers chapter 11. Now, we've been on, on prayer and fasting. We're going to take out the fasting. I know there's a couple of you still going a little bit, but we're going to highlight a little bit more on prayer. I'm just going to give you some biblical nuggets today that I, I really believe will challenge you to become a man or woman of prayer or to become more as a, a man and woman of prayer. So I told you to go to Numbers chapter 11. This is a passage about a guy named Moses. And so Moses has this great opportunity, but he's intimidated by the opportunity. How many of you ever had an opportunity and got intimidated by it? It's like you've been on the JV football team your whole life, and next thing you know, you're the starting quarterback for the varsity. It's a little intimidating. And so this is kind of what's going on here with Moses. Now, I just want to read one verse here, Numbers chapter 11, verse 23. And the Lord said to Moses, has the Lord's arm been shortened? Question mark. Is the Lord's arm, is it it limited? Is my power limited? Do you don't think I can do what you need me to do? And so I, I look at this and I think, How many times have we gotten in that position in our life where we look almost like, I don't know that God can do this. Now look how he ends this verse. Now you shall see whether what I say will happen to you or not. And so he's telling him here, you're going to see whether it comes to pass or not. And just like with Moses, it comes down to how do I answer that question? Do you think God's power is limited or not? And so it begins to to challenge us. And even off of the man of God, Moses, remember this. God doesn't call the qualified. God qualifies the called. And and it's the same for every one of us, okay? And you're going to see this play out this morning that I, I believe every one of us in here are called to be men and women of prayer. So go back with me into the New Testament to Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18, and I'm going to tell you different things pertaining to even part of my life is prayer. And, you know, when we start out in prayer, every one of us, I don't care who you are, you don't start out in the deep end. You start out in the shallow end. And some of you got to get in the shallow end. Some of you got to get your toes in, okay? Because I'm never going to get to the deep end unless I start here. And so... Way back, you're going to Luke 18. Way back, many, many years ago, I, I was extremely intimidated to pray out loud. Anybody ever been that way? And so my wife began to challenge me to pray out loud. You know how she did that? She'd say, why don't you pray over the meal before we eat? And I'd look and I'd do what? And so there was just four of us sitting there, but to pray over my meal, that was huge. It was very intimidating. But something happens when we begin to get out of the boat and start getting our feet wet. 
And so you're going to hear today, this is going to challenge you, okay? Wherever you're at, Luke chapter 18, verse 1. Then Jesus spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not, not lose heart. We always ought to pray and, and not lose heart. We, we've got to learn to pray through. And so when you look at this here, I, I believe Jesus is telling, we always ought to pray. So you know what that means? We all must learn to get a rhythm and in a routine of prayer. We've seen that week after week. Remember with the man Daniel that said he prayed morning, noon, and night? You've got to get a rhythm and a routine of prayer. If Jesus says that we all ought to pray and not lose heart, we better start praying. Now, this passage right here cross-references back to Luke chapter 11, verses 9 and 10, which literally says, keep knocking, keep asking, keep seeking, don't give up, okay? And so it sets the stage here. Now, let's follow this a little bit farther here. Verse 2, saying, there was a certain city, a judge, and this judge, he did not fear God. He gave no respect to God, nor did he regard man. He didn't respect or he could care less about people. So this judge was ungodly in all his ways. Now, when I read this, I realize this guy's in the wrong profession. Because if you're a judge, you're to judge with integrity, and your job is always people. And so he fears God, so that tells me he probably doesn't have any integrity. And number two, he doesn't like people. He said, that sounds like me. No, it doesn't sound like us. We want to love God and love people, okay? So he gives us a little bit of an idea of what's going on here. Verse 3. Now there was a widow in that city, and she came to him saying, Get justice for me from my adversary. Protect me and defend me. Now, things don't look good for this woman from the very start because we know this judge she's dealing with doesn't like God and doesn't like people. And that may kind of look like a dilemma you're in right now. Maybe you work for someone that doesn't like God or like people. Maybe you have a teacher at school that that's way. Well, watch what he goes on and talks about this because this is right there where this woman's at right now. Verse 4, and he would not for a while, and it says he would not for a while, it literally means he was unwilling because he never gave her the time of day. But if you'll notice, it says, and he would not for a while. Now, the reason it says he's would not for a while is because you're going to find out this woman kept praying. She kept standing. And I'm jumping into the story, but I'm going to set the table with that. So it goes on to say, but afterward, he said within himself, though I do not fear God, nor regard man, I care nothing for God and I care less nothing for man, yet because this widow troubles me. Now it's interesting what he's saying here, this widow troubles me. This widow was causing him a problem. Well, what was it? I will avenge her, lest by her continually coming, she wearies me. 
So he says, I, I'm going to vindicate her because her persistence. She just keeps showing up and she keeps showing up. Now, when it says here that she wearies me, it has two meanings off of that. The first one, it, it literally meant that she's going to ruin my reputation if I don't do something. But the second one that says she wearies me, it's an old boxing term called she wears me out. And so you think about this, that in a 12-round a boxing fight, 12 rounds is long. It's exhausting and it's, a, it's excruciating. And so she's wearing him out. Now the message translation for that says that I am black and blue by her pounding. So she keeps wearing me out. This woman won't leave me alone. Verse six. Then the Lord said, hear what the unjust judge says. Hear what the unjust judge says. And shall God not avenge his own? What makes you think God won't avenge his own? Again, it goes back to uh, Numbers eleven twenty three. Is God's arm too short to do anything? What makes you think God won't avenge his own? His own who? His own elect. So you know who his own elect are? The ones that are picked, the ones that are separated, and the ones that are chosen. You know what those mean? The ones that are born again. Now, 1 Peter 2, 9 says, we're a royal priesthood, a chosen generation, a, a spectacular people. So he tells me something here that when you give your heart to Jesus, if you're born again, he avenges his elect. But watch real closely what the Lord Jesus says. He avenges his elect who? Who what? Now watch. Who cry out day and night to him. Those ones that just keep showing up day and night and they cry out to him. Now let me ask you something. Don't raise your hand. Are you born again? If you are, does this part that says those who cry out to him day and night, would that describe you? Would that describe me? Because if it doesn't describe me, man, I'm not walking in what he told us to in verse one. We're called to pray. And so he says, those who cry out to him night and day, though he bears long with them, with perseverance based on his word. So I'm looking at all this here in verse seven. And one of the meanings in the Greek, it has the meaning that it's ever tapping. Ever tapping. Ever knocking. Now, this may date you if you know this song. Knock, knock, knocking on heaven's door. A guy named Bob Dylan sang that. And I believe there's meaning to it. I gotta just keep on knock, knocking on heaven's door. 
You know what that literally means? God welcomes that. God's not a God when you knock on the door, he, he, he pretends it's somebody else and doesn't answer. You know, you've heard me talk. I, I have a little neighbor boy who he's, he's five. Fixing to be six, I know that for a fact. And so there is hardly a day that goes by that my doorbell doesn't ring. And a lot of times Shelly will say, it's Luke. And so I'll go, and I, I promise you, sometimes it's three, four, five times in a day. And every time I'll open the door, and there he is. He got his little glasses, and he'll shove them. And he'll ask me the craziest questions. I mean, he'll look at me and say, what you having for dinner? <laughs> he rings the doorbell one day last week, and he, he starts talking, and I, I promise, I'm focused, and I'm looking. I can't understand everything he's saying. And I start getting the word amputation. He keeps talking about amputation, amputation this, and, and I said, amputation what? And he said, February 3rd. And I said, what's February 3rd? And he said, it's my birthday. Well, I realized he'd get an amputation and invitation mixed up. So you know what I realized? I'm going to a five-year-old birthday party. <laughs> but it never bothers me. Every time he rings the doorbell, he, he's the one that would ring my doorbell and run. And day by day, man, I'd look and think, who in the credit's doing that? I thought the UPS guy was playing games with me. And so one day I saw his little head go by, and so I waited, and I got right by my door, and I was watching. I could see him, and right as he stuck his hand on my doorbell, I yanked that door open. I said, what do you want? And he goes, we're having mac and cheese for dinner. And he took off, <laughs> just took off. I tell you that because that's how God is. God's okay with you asking him what he's having for dinner. God's okay. He just has a desire that we keep coming before him. And so it says here in verse 8, I tell you that he will avenge them speedily on his timetable. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, now listen to this, will he really find faith on the earth? And when I read that, will he, will he really find faith on the earth? What type of faith was God looking for? Those who cry out to him day and night, day by day by day. And so God is looking for ones that say, I'm persistent. I'm going to keep calling out to you. Success is derived from persistence for every one of us. Now, go with me back into the Old Testament to 1 Kings chapter 17. Um, in between the Samuels and the, the Chronicles is where that is. 1 Kings chapter 17. And I'm going to read just a little bit of verse in 17, a 1 and 18, and then a little bit more at the end. Because through this passage of Scripture, it's going to give us incredible insight on prayer that I believe every one of us need to hear. As we start going here, I'll fill in the blanks. 1 Kings 17, verse 1. 
and Elijah the Tishbite. Tishbite, he was from Tishbe. Elijah, remember, he was one of the greatest Old Testament prophets. He was a man of God. So Elijah the Tishbite of the inhabitants of Gilead said to Ahab, who's Ahab? Ahab was one of the most, if not the most, ungodly king of all of Israel. And Ahab was married to the wicked witch of the north, a woman named Jezebel. I'm telling you, wicked. I, I love 1 Kings 17, 1 Kings 18, 1 Kings. So those are some of the great chapters of the Bible. So Ahab, he, he hears Elijah come, and Elijah said, as the Lord God of Israel lives before whom I stand, I'm a servant of God, what he's saying, before whom I'm standing. I'm a representative of heaven right here on earth. There shall be no dew nor rain these years except at my word. Now he confronts Ahab and he said, listen, pal, it's not going to rain again until God says it's going to rain. Now, this was a slap in Ahab's face because Ahab thought it was okay for him to serve the false god caused the Baal, and they thought the Baals were responsible for all the rain. So I'm sure he looks at him like, yeah, right, we'll see what happens. Chapter 18, verse 1. And it came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, Go present or your, announce yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain on the earth. So over three years have gone by. And the Lord tells Elijah, go back to Ahab and tell him, God said, it's fixing to rain. Now, this, this uh, chapter is incredible. I, I can't go through much of it, all right? I want you to go toward the end of it, chapter 18, verse 41. And I want you to pick up here with me because think about this. All Elijah has at this moment is a promise or a word from God. But when you get a promise or a word from God, hang on to it, okay? Don't, don't, don't let it get away. Verse 41. Now we're going to follow the steps here of Elijah. Then Elijah said to Ahab, go up and eat and drink. Go up and have a feast. Go up and party. Why? For there is the sound of abundance of rain. He informs Ahab it's going to, be, uh, uh, it's going to rain. Now, did you hear what he said? There's the sound of abundance of rain. When Elijah said this, there wasn't a cloud in the sky. It wasn't even overcast. Better yet, Ron Roberts didn't even have this in his forecast. So he's got a promise from God. And see, this is a lot of times where we as, as believers, we put it in neutral and say, I've got a promise, God's given me the word, so let's just kick back. Maybe a latte, maybe an iced coffee. I think I'll watch Sports Center today, and I'm really good at Jeopardy, so let's just kick back. 
But this is where we really, really must see this right here. Now, let's connect the dots with Elijah here. Verse 42. So Ahab went up to eat and drink. And Elijah went up to the top of Carmel or Mount Carmel. Elijah goes up to the summit. So at the very top of Mount Carmel, it would be like this. On this side of it, if you look down, you'd see the Kidron Valley where Elijah had just defeated the 450 prophets of Baal. But on this side, when you would look back that way, you could see the Mediterranean Sea. Now, I got to throw this in here for you. Three or four years ago, we were in Israel. We went to Mount Carmel. There was a place at the very top that was a big old rock. And our guide said to us, he said, we believe right there is where, where all this took place with Elijah and the rain here. And I said, right there? He said, right there on that rock. Historically, we believe this is where it was. Now, we got close to it, and I'm, I'm telling you, if you've never had the Holy Ghost goosebumps, it's incredible to get those where you look and think, oh my gosh, this became so real. So Ahab's partying, and Elijah goes to the summit of Mount Carmel. Now watch. Then he bowed down on the ground, and he put his face between his knees. He took the position of a woman that would be travailing in childbirth. A posture of prayer. Now when I look at this, remember, he had a promise from God. It's going to rain. But yet this man of God said, you know what? I'm going to pray and I'm going to pray and I'm going to pray until I see the fulfillment of his word. You know what this is called? Praying through. Just got to keep praying through. So when you find scriptures in your life, begin to pray those. How long do I pray them? Till you pray them through, until you see victory. Till you see the things of God taking place. And so he begins to bow and pray. Verse 43, and he said to his servant, go up now, look toward the sea. So his servant went up and looked and said, there is nothing. You know what nothing means? Nothing. I don't see a thing. It's not clear to partly cloudy. I see nothing. Keep reading. And seven times he said, go again. And when I read the seven times, Elijah held his ground. He knew what God had promised. But you know what takes place here? Seven times Elijah keeps knock, knocking on heaven's door. Even when his prayer wasn't answered immediately, he knew what God had promised and he said, uh-uh, uh-uh. I'm not gonna stop until something begins to take place. See, again, I believe right here is oftentimes when we give up, 
when we don't see a tangible difference with the natural eye, it's almost like God's not moving, God's not working. And what would have happened here if he would have quit the sixth time? Is there something you've been praying about? And you quit the sixth time. And if you quit the sixth time, guess what? We serve a God that he welcomes you to resurrect those prayers. Your dreams, the things of God. So off of this right here, there were four major things that happened. First of all, even though we have the promises of God for provision, we are not to stop praying for its fulfillment. Number two, there was a prayer posture. And almost every time when we've talked about prayer posture, men and women got on their knees. The third area that's really, really big is we learn the importance of persistence prayer. Gotta stay with it seven times. And the last thing is he prayed with faith. He believed God for the answer even before it ever came. Don't give up. Verse 44, now watch this. Then it came to pass the seventh time that he said, there's a cloud as small as a man's hand rising out of the sea. I don't know if you've ever been to the ocean, but it's huge. I don't care which one, the Pacific, the Gulf, the Atlantic, they're huge. He sees the hand, a man's hand. A cloud the size of a man's hand. I mean, that's very difficult to see. That's, that's not very big. But that's all Elijah needed. He needed just a flicker. So he sees that hand, and look what he says here. So he said, go up and say to Ahab, prepare your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. He tells him, he said, you better get your umbrella out. You better get your rain boots on. Verse 45. Now it happened in the meantime that the sky became black with clouds and the wind. And listen to this. And there was heavy rain. Heavy rain. A three-year drought. Because God spoke his promise to a man. And a man had the persistence to pray it through. Go with me back into the New Testament to James chapter 5. And the reason I'm going there is this same story makes its way into James 5. I'm only going to read two verses in there, James 5, 17 and 18. But James 5, 16 says, The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. The, the prayer of a, a person living right with God is something powerful to be reckoned. The effectual fervent, the effectual intense prayer of a righteous, it benefits much. Now somebody in here needs to hear that. And the reason I say, your prayers are availing. Don't give up on them. Keep standing. I don't, I don't care what that is. So years ago, I began to have a desire to pray. And I shared how we began to pray before a meal. And then we really stepped out. We really started moving on out. We started praying in restaurants. 
where everybody could see you. And I call it a pirate prayer. First time you do it, you got one eye closed and then you're looking around and see who's looking. Intimidating, huh? But years back, I got around a man of God who was stationed at Cannon Air Force Base in Clovis. And every time I'd get around this man, he would always say this to me. Let me tell you what God said today. Hey, let me tell you what God said today. And there were days he would speak things into my life and I thought, he's had to have been talking to Shelly. He's had to be. And one day he said, hey, there's about two or three of us. We get to church on Sunday morning about at seven and Wednesday nights we all show up at six. And he said, we just pray. We just cover the service and the people with prayer. And I started going. And I began to see the heart of a man who just wasn't speaking words to God in a religious matter, but a guy who just poured his heart out to God. He would stand with his face toward the wall and he would just begin to call out to God. And over those courses of months of praying with that man, something began to get birthed in me. And I don't know if you remember Jesus' words, but he said, my house will be called a house of coffee. It's not what he said. Sorry. He said, my house will be called a house of prayer. I realized when I started pastoring that this house has got to be called a house of prayer. I just don't want to talk. We, we need to implement prayer. So from the beginning of this, I started Tuesday night prayer. And all the years we've done it, I was never just the only one. And there were a couple of times, there's just two of us. But there became a heart to pray. A sincerity to pray, to call out to God. Do you know the thermometer of every church is not in our attendance, not in our money, not in our building. The thermometer of a church is in your praying. And when the church quits praying, we're in trouble. And so it moves something within me to be, become a person of prayer to say, I, I love to pray. I want to petition God. And so I believe this is what's happening. Now, watch what James 5, verse 17 says. Elijah, the great prophet that we just read about, was a man with the nature just like ours. You know what that means? He had feelings just like me and you. He had weaknesses just like me and you. He had frailties just like me and you. Elijah didn't get dressed in a phone booth and have a cape, okay? He was just as human as me and you. But listen what it says. But he prayed earnestly, with passion, with intensity, with, with perseverance, that it would not rain. And because this was a man of prayer, 
It did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again. Now, you got to get this, okay? You got to get this, what he just said. He prayed and it wouldn't rain, and he prayed and it did rain. You know what that shows me again? That God moves in this realm called earth through the prayers of his saints, through the prayers of his people. Prayer isn't a punishment, it's a privilege. And I can pray. And not only did I get to pray, the creator of the universe likes me to ring his doorbell. Wow. He likes to hear from us. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. What happens when we don't pray? See, many times I believe this. We view prayer as our last resort. We've tried everything we need to do. I've tried everything, everything. I guess we'll pray now. Are you kidding me? That shouldn't be the last resort. That should be the first resort. See, I think we, we, we treat prayer like a spare tire. We don't pray until life has a blowout. But what would happen today if we ask God to breathe the persistence in us? That same heart that Elijah had, that it would come upon us. But not, not just a persistence in prayer. This is what I begin to sense God wants to do. He wants to put in every one of our hearts a fresh resiliency. That I become so resilient. That it doesn't matter what I see, what I feel. I just keep knock knocking on heaven's door. I just keep trusting God. And maybe you've never prayed. God's still enlisting prayer warriors. Privates, sergeants, captains. You know what I believe Elijah was? I believe he was a general, but I can promise you something. He didn't start that way. Every sacrifice is based on preference. I'll ask you to stand up right there where you're at today. See, it's easy to give up on our dreams and miracles and promises. When it doesn't happen like we think it should, we lose heart, patience, and faith. But is there something in your life right now? Whether it's a promise of God, whether it's a miracle, that today you say, you know what? I'm gonna reclaim that. And today I'm gonna say, Father God, I, I ask that you resurrect this within me today. I come, Father God, and I'm, I'm, I'm here today, guys, to tell you, man, I'm, I'm praying persistence. Lord, I, I, I want to pray unlike any other time I've prayed. I, I need a touch of resilience. Where there's something, just the eye of the tiger that says, you know what? 
I'm going to pray and I'm going to pray. And I'm going to continue to pray. Would you bow your head with me right now? Father God, we come before you today. Lord, if we've looked at you and thought, God, your, your arm's too short right now. Lord, I pray you change hearts in here. That your power has never been limited. And Father God, in here, in your house, ones that have had dreams dashed, promises they feel like have been broken, that you're the God who recovers. You're the God who restores. And Lord, I pray right now for every one of us that you would stir in our hearts right now. That we'd be men and women of prayer unlike any other time in our life. And so as our team's getting ready to sing right here, just sing unto the Lord. If any of the things I've just mentioned right here, man, they've touched your heart today. Something within you saying, man, I gave up on that one. I went three times. I went six times. I just didn't go the seventh time. God loves you. He's for you, okay? So if you need a touch of faith today, if you need some persistence, if you need some resilience from heaven, and I welcome you to come down here and just pour your heart out to God. And I believe God's going to touch you today. Go ahead, guys. Thank you once again for joining us on this podcast. To check out more services from Faith Church, you can find our live broadcast on YouTube or check out our website at faithchurchlubbock.com for more information on upcoming events, how to give, and how you can get involved.